Welcome to the Trade Securely Podcast. When a business is looking for financing, there are a number of things a bank must consider to determine their creditworthiness. And having a receivables insurance policy can be very beneficial. Today on the Trade Securely Podcast, we're going to look at the benefits a trade credit policy can provide to both the business and the banker in the financing scenario. I'm Janet Eastman, and today my guests are Aditya Sapru. He's Managing Director and Team Lead, Diversified Industries at BMO Corporate Finance. And John Middleton is the Chair of REAC and the Vice President Complex Risk Trade Credit at Hub International. Gentlemen, thanks very much for joining me today. Our pleasure, Janet. Thank you for having us. Oh, you're very welcome. Now, Aditya, I think it'd be great to have some, just a quick background on, on yourself to understand your background in banking. For sure. Uh, and again, uh, thanks a lot to, to you, Janet and John, for having me uh, on this podcast. Really excited to be here. Uh, so I've been I've been in banking for about 20 years now. Uh, you know, before BMO, uh, I've been BMO for about six years. Before that, I was at a global bank, uh, having worked in four different countries, you know, started in India, uh, went off to the Philippines, Middle East, and then finally came to Canada in 2011. Uh, so, uh, again, what I do for a living is I, I run a team of corporate finance bankers within BMO's, uh, you know, downtown Toronto office, and we work with mid-market companies across the GTA uh, for their financing and other banking needs. Okay. So, I don't know when you first came across receivables insurance, but given that you've worked all over the worked all over the globe, I'm I'm guessing that you you probably were aware of receivables insurance for a while. Uh, yes, I have. You know, it, it's funny you say that because I think the applicability of of receivables financing uh, and insurance is a lot more outside North America, and you know, it's 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 great that it's catching up here in Canada and the U.S. But when you go to places like Middle East and Asia Pacific, uh, which are very, very trade intensive countries, uh, you know, this is a very, very common proposition in those markets. So, yeah. Okay. So what is your impression of receivables insurance, of the policy, what it does, and how it actually benefits clients? For sure. So I think the first thing that comes to my mind is, is really risk mitigation. That's, that's the word that comes to my mind not just for the bank, but more importantly, for our clients. Uh, again, in today's uh, you know, uh, world economy where everything is really integrated, uh, you know, events in one corner of the world, you know, something like a, a Russia, Ukraine has significant uh, implications and ripple effects across every corner of the planet. Uh, and I think it's, it's, it's things like account receivable insurance, which really provide our clients, the Canadian exporters, uh, a peace of mind and a certainty of payment when they're shipping their goods and you know services all over the world. Uh, I think the, the the thing that sometimes gets missed by companies when they're thinking about account receivable insurance is, is how expensive and time-consuming litigation is. Uh, you know when when there's a non-payment or a bankruptcy in those overseas markets that I spoke about, the cost of recovery for those payments. Uh, almost always outweighs the benefits. And, and in those situations, again, having account receivable insurance acts like a safety net, uh, really for the Canadian exporter that they should certainly be thinking about. I think the, the other thing that really is very interesting 
from my perspective as a banker uh, on insurance is uh, when buyers, both domestic and overseas, are pushing the Canadian uh, seller for longer dated payment terms, you know, 90 days, 120 days, sometimes even 180 days. Uh, in those cases, again, I as a banker would always recommend to our client that they should think about insurance to safeguard from non-payment. Again, a lot can change in three, four, six months as the past few months have shown, the world has changed significantly in the last three months. So I think those are really my my high level impressions about receivable insurance. Okay, and just one more question before we bring John in. I'm curious to know when you speak to your clients, are they aware of receivables insurance? I think they are. The, the, the Canadian exporter community is very well educated, and especially thanks to you know folks like John who've done an incredible job of of you know raising the flag and, and raising awareness. And so again, from our client perspective, I think there's a very, very high degree of comfort about the benefits and the applicability of the insurance proposition. Okay. Now, John, from your side, from the RIR side, um, mm -hmm. do you have any additional questions or comments that you'd like to address to Aditya? Oh, well, I think Aditya has uh, made some really good comments there. And uh, I just sort of wanted to, um, further elaborate on some of the things he mentioned. Uh, obviously the benefits of coverage, uh, it does enhance financing, which is terrific. It, it allows the, the, um, the bank to lend more money against the insured receivable. And many of our clients uh, expand their sales and uh, can offer longer terms when they use trade credit. So we see when, they, when the clients come up for renewal that their sales are growing year over year. And as we have clients for a long period of time, the trend is always upwards. So they are able to use the credit insurance uh, to their advantage. I thought uh, Adidia's comments with regard to uh, trying to chat, you know, chase down uh, delinquent buyers overseas, like some of the insurers that we work with, um, we are able to negotiate with the underwriter to, in, to enable our clients to um, add the costs of uh, trying to go legal onto the claim submission so we can get indemnification for not only the loss, but also any additional costs to try and collect uh, with certain insurers. So I think that's something that uh, companies aren't aware of, but there is advantages with certain insurers uh, to be able to capture those costs also, which uh, makes the product even more compelling. It's hard to quantify that kind of uh, expense when you're when you're transacting around the globe, but occasionally you're going to have problems. And if you have an, an underwriter that's going to indemnify those costs, I think that's uh, really very uh, advantageous and I think the other thing that's important about the insurers that we deal with because as Adidia mentioned things can go bad very quickly and we are um, working with underwriters that are all rated a minus or better and have an excellent track record of paying claims so we do see a lot of claim payments uh, we track that information through OSFI and um, uh, and other mechanisms and uh, certainly there is um, a lot of claims being paid in the market for this particular product. Okay, so Aditya had said something earlier, which is actually surprised me that, you know, receivables are hanging out there for upwards of 180 days. What's the impact, John, on a client of yours when all of a sudden they're not getting payment for 180 days? Yeah, we, the beauty of trade credit is we can actually go out to 360 day invoice terms. And we do have clients that will go out that long, but as Adidia mentioned, um, you, you, it's hard to uh, it's hard to manage a, a company's um, and, and and monitor their actual financial performance over a period of time like that. Like if you're offering 270 day terms or 180 day terms, um, where they may stand today and where they are 
at the point in time when the receivable is due to be paid, uh, there can be fluctuations. And so uh, the, there's definitely a, an advantage. The longer you offer terms, uh, the, the more advantage you have of um, utilizing trade credit. And also uh, being able to margin that receivable for at 90% using the trade credit for that period of time is also going to be very beneficial from a, from a financing perspective. Uh, so that I think also compels uh, someone to think about trade credit insurance uh, when they're talking to their financial institution. Right. So um, you deal with Aditya and obviously he knows about receivables insurance and has seen it around the world. But I'm curious to know, um, have you ever had to clarify on behalf of a client, John, just what receivables insurance is to a banker and what do you tell them? Um, well, we just try and uh, when we're talking to the client about how they might be able to use the receivable insurance to enhance their bank relationship, we just talk to them about the ability to borrow more money against the insured receivable. And if we can use that to help our client grow, then everybody wins. The bank's able to lend more money. They're able to generate more income. Uh, the client's able to generate more gross profit by increased sales volume. And so uh, we, we're really pushing the benefits of the product uh, of trade credit insurance to help everybody and, um, and, and just be more successful overall. And often uh, the incremental sales will offset, will generate enough gross mar margin to help offset the cost of the insurance. So um, in a sense, we almost have a situation where the insurance can pay for itself. Uh, and that's uh, kind of a really fruitful situation, especially if you're able to enhance your financing at the same time. Right. So generally speaking, and this is a question for both of you. So generally speaking, do commercial bankers understand the benefits of credit insurance for their clients? And Aditya, I guess we can probably start with you. Yeah, I think, I think there is a, a fairly high level of understanding amongst the banking community in Canada, Janet. Uh, and again, it just goes back to what John just said. I think, I think the key benefit for bankers and the clients, of course, is the, the ability for the banker to provide, uh, you know, 90% uh, uh, you know, financing on insured receivables versus typically 75 for uninsured. I, I think the other thing that is a, a, a unique thing in the Canadian banking market is typically uh, banks, the chartered banks in Canada, typically they don't margin uh, uninsured non-North American receivables. That's a, that's a bit of a mouthful I just said so. Yeah. Any receivable, <laughs> any receivable that is originating in Asia Pacific or Middle East, if it's not insured, typically the Canadian banks are reticent or at margining those. And again, obviously, getting the insurance allows the banks and the clients to margin those things at at ninety percent. So I think I think those two really again much in line with what John just said uh, a bit earlier. Uh, make make the the understanding of the proposition fairly high with the commercial banking community. Mm -hmm. John, do you have any comments there? Um, I, I think that the growth of the product in the marketplace is uh, partly reflected by the fact that the bankers are um, picking up on the value of this product and understanding it. And certainly we've done lots of presentations over the years to the banking community. And uh, there's always very enthusiastic reception to those presentations. Uh, people understand immediately what we're talking about. Um, when we're when we're with a group of bankers, and I think that they they understand what we're what what's available, and uh, and uh, are thinking about how their clients might be able to leverage that to their advantage. Okay, Aditya, what are some of the questions um, that bankers often have 
about receivables insurance? Yeah, I think this. I think this is a really important question for this podcast. I think. I think the first question that typically comes up very very often from my colleagues and my you know team members would typically be around pricing and how does that work and you know what are the typical terms and policies. Uh, I think the the other couple of questions which are really important. Um, and, and would love to get John's views. Are, I think the first one that comes up quite often is how do insurance companies kind of approve credit limits on overseas buyers that aren't public companies? So they are their financials aren't in the public domain. They're private companies, you know, in China or in the Middle East or in Asia Pacific. And you know, uh, how do these insurance companies approve limits on them? And what's the process? And then the second question that again that that you know uh, comes up quite often. Uh, also from our clients is under what circumstances typically do insurance companies not pay under an existing insurance policy that's in effect. I think I think would love to get John's views on on each of those you know four questions around you know pricing and terms and you know uh, credit limits and uh, and and on you know under what circumstances do companies not pay. Yeah, certainly happy to speak to those those, those questions, Adia. Um, I think uh, as it relates to pricing, it's it's um, the, the underwriters are looking at uh, sort of the risk profile based on the country risk, um, the invoice terms of payment that are used by the client. So someone who's selling on net 30-day terms is going to be deemed a, a better risk than somebody who's selling on net 180-day terms, and that's going to impact pricing. Uh, the countries you're selling to, the buyers within those countries, is there concentration risk, risk with certain buyers in those countries? And how do those buyers rate? Are they um, investment grade style buyers or do they have a lot of debt and perhaps uh, look like a much higher risk uh, rated buyer? So that's the kind of variables that the underwriter is going to take into consideration when they assess price. And the price is always set as a percentage of the sales. So you have to ascertain what the insured sales volume is going to be, and then a premium rate will be charged against that volume to uh, determine the estimated premium uh, for the contract period. Uh, the underwriters all have uh, very sophisticated underwriting systems and maintain databases of buyers around the globe, and they tap into um, credit reporting agencies around the globe uh, that specialize in the markets where their clients are doing business in order to substantiate um, and initiate uh, buyer records for them to monitor the credit risk on those buyers. Uh, when their exposure hits a certain threshold, and it's generally around half a million uh, to, to, to a million, depending on the underwriter, and then we see that they, they require more information, and usually that is financial information in terms of financial statements. And so to your point about how do we access that information, that's the big challenge for the underwriters. Um, often we can approach the buyer and suggest to them that by sharing information under a non-disclosure agreement with the insurer, um, it will afford them the opportunity to obtain more credit and it'll be essentially free credit to them because they'll be able to negotiate terms with, with their suppliers. So uh, that, that can benefit their business. And so there is an incentive uh, frequently for these people to uh, share information back with the underwriters under a non-disclosure agreement. So we have tremendous success that way in terms of helping the underwriters grow their databases and, uh, and generate more information to offer more credit in the marketplace. So that's a, a big benefit and and then i guess that you know i mentioned earlier that the underwriters are all a minus or rated or better in the marketplace that we deal with we, ha we have 10 licensed insurers in canada that offer trade credit insurance and so 
um, you know, they do pay claims, but on occasion claims are not paid. And so typically reasons that claims aren't paid is just because the client hasn't followed the policy parameters. And it's really critical that these parameters are followed. So things like, um, you know, not having uh, adequate purchase order or proof of delivery. Uh, so you can't show that proof of documentation uh, to the underwriter in the event of claim. That could be grounds to deny uh, liability. Um, maybe the, the claim was filed outside the claim acceptance period. Uh, we see that sometimes clients are so anxious to try and collect that they, they forget that they've got, say, 180 days from the invoice due date to get the claim in with the underwriter. Uh, they've got to make sure that they get that in on time. And so we're constantly reminding clients to, about those claim filing deadlines to make sure that they get the information to the insurer on a timely basis. Uh, we've seen in the past where there's been challenges where companies think they're dealing with company X, but it could be company Y. So often, as an example in China, trying to make sure you identify the proper company that you're doing business with, that's really critical because if you've got a, a credit limit on the wrong buyer and then the buyer does not pay and you submit the claim to the underwriter and the underwriter's like, whoa, you've got the wrong buyer identified as the uh, insured party here, that's, that's going to create a problem for the underwriter in terms of paying a claim. So that's something that the, the onus is on the insured to make sure they know who they're doing business with. Um, so these are the types of things, you know, if, if you offer invoice terms that are longer than what is granted in the policy, that's a problem. So your policy has a, a cap of net 90 day invoice terms and you've offered net 120 days, uh, you, you would have a problem if you filed a claim and showed that the invoices were stated with net 120 day terms. So those are the types of things that happen uh, where the underwriter uh, has a reason to con consider declining a claim. Uh, obviously, in those situations, uh, we're always trying to, to consider appeal processes to try and make sure the underwriter indemnifies the client uh, when errors are made. So I hope I, I hope I've answered your question on that. Did he cover everything for you, Aditya? He did. No, that was fabulous. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I have a, a question here, and it, it relates to some of the things that we've dealt with in the last six months. And I'm thinking of um, the delays in shipping and what impact that that has had on um, some of your international clients, John, because there's been stuff sitting on ships waiting to go places. And I'm just wondering if you could give a brief overview of some of the impact that's had. It's interesting that you should ask that question, Janet, because uh, we're seeing two things. Uh, the first thing is that uh, the underwriters that we work with, um, some of them offer coverage from the moment you ship, whereas others, the coverage kicks in the moment the goods are delivered. So with the global supply chain challenges we have right now, if you're working with an underwriter where coverage is when the goods are delivered, um, you are opening yourself up to some exposure there because you can't control the timeline it takes. And that could give the, the buyer a reason to, to exit a transaction. So that's really problematic. We would obviously encourage people to consider using underwriters uh, where the coverage is uh, effective immediately as soon as they ship. Um, the second point, um, which is interesting, this is sort of a new trend we're seeing, is some, uh, some product is, uh, when the goods are being sold, if there's an indication that the uh, product's gonna be delayed being sold from the, being um, shipped from the port, We've seen situations now where the supplier has taken it upon themselves to take the goods back and sell them somewhere else. And so our insured isn't even, isn't even able to deliver the product to the buyer. The, the supplier has taken it upon themselves to sell them somewhere else. And especially in this, in this period of rising commodity prices, they may be able to find better margins moving that product somewhere else. So if they haven't provided the, the final shipping documents to the customer, um, they may take it upon themselves to move goods elsewhere. So that's a real problem. 
um, and, and that's that's kind of outside the scope of trade credit because there's no true receivable with with the insurance buyer because the goods were never delivered. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Wow, Aditya, do you have any comments on that as well? Um, you know the the long shipping shipping issues we've had. No, I think I think again it, it's it's great to hear uh, uh, John's perspective, and you know again you know this this is this is this is this is here to stay. Like these 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 supply chain issues are not going away. Which again goes back to the importance of working with people like John uh, and others in the community uh, who who live and breathe trade finance and the risks around that and how we can you know mitigate through appropriate instruments, right? So I think I think that that's 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 awesome. So thank, mm-hmm. thanks uh, thanks for that, John. Yeah, no problem. So, John, let's let's just touch on how the broker does work with the insurance, uh, it, the insurers, et cetera, and, and that bridge that they they can make between the insurer and the client. Yeah, I, I mean, the broker's role is really to try and help find the right solution for for the client, uh, utilizing their access to the insurers in the marketplace, right? And and so we're we're fortunate in our industry has grown so much over the last uh, 20 years simply because there's new entrants to the marketplace there's new solutions there's more capacity and so it makes it easier for us to to uh, be able to find the right solution for our clients and uh, place them with the appropriate underwriter so that uh, they've got adequate coverage for the transactions that they're doing internationally and domestically so uh, you know there's definitely because of the additional choice in the marketplace that's available to companies now, it really does make sense to utilize a broker and, and get access to the various solutions that are available. And then that let them map it out for you so that you can determine which which solution is the best for your particular business. But uh, certainly there's lots of choice out there. Mm-hmm. Receivables insurance is used by companies around the world to mitigate their risk. It can, can be used to cover both domestic and international receivables. And for those companies doing business outside Canada, it's likely that your customer has a receivables insurance policy protecting their business. It's a trusted product worldwide. So if you're li- interested in learning more about it, you can contact any one of our members that's listed on the REAC website, and that's receivablesinsurancecanada.com. So I want to thank you guys very much for taking time to have this discussion uh, with us. Aditya, your perspective was really very valuable, particularly because you have worked all over the globe as a banker. I I really enjoyed hearing what you had to say. No, it was pleasure. It was absolutely mine. And and, and, and again, thanks to you and John for inviting me. And, you know, uh, this is a great initiative. And thank you for, 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 for inviting you're very welcome. Aditya Sapru is the Managing Director and Team Lead, Diversified Industries at BMO Corporate Finance. And as always, uh, John Middleton, thank you for your expertise. John's the Chair of REAC and Vice President Complex Risk at Trade Credit. So thank you, John. Thanks, Janet. Appreciate uh, the opportunity today. And thanks, Aditya, for joining us. Yeah, this, this has been a very uh, informative podcast. So thank you, guys. The Receivables Insurance Association of Canada is a member-supported organization of Canadians helping Canadian businesses grow. You can follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter, and please share this podcast. I'm Janet Eastman. Thanks for listening.